guys, before we get started, today's today we're talking about death. It's gonna be really sad. Is it gonna be sad? You think, or it'll be like a fun episode? Fun, you know those those fun deaths. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you about a fun death? I got one right. I got one ready. Tell me a tell me a fun death. Okay. <laughs> um. So I had this puppy. A pretty and... good. No, 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 no. A movie, not a real death. Wait, you oh. prep for real deaths? Uh oh. You have like Uncle Jim on there and shit. <laughs> Talk about the time my grandpa died, and then we all went and saw a uh, fucking Lion King right afterwards. Hey, a Disney movie will cheer us up after this. When you say funeral. right afterwards, you mean like same day? Literally like hours after the funeral. It's like, well, we all have this like sad thing. Like a Disney movie will make us feel better. It was like that same weekend. I don't. In my mind, it was literally like in the ground. What do we do now? Disney movie Lion King. <laughs> I hesitate to even make this joke because if it is real, it would be fucked up. But. Did wildebeests have anything to do with your grandfather's death? <laughs> <laughs> no, his his doppelganger brother killed him. <laughs> no, R.I.P. Um, but it, yeah, no, that was it was it was the most awkward movie I ever had to sit through next to Shazam with my grandma. Wait. You sat next to your grandma in she Shazam. Took me, she took me to Shazam. She was alive. And also she went to the Lion King? Well, yeah. Okay, she her schedule is open. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm not starting this episode off well. <laughs> well, tell me about your fun death. Hurry up. Save me, Rumi. I'm it's, a se- it's kind of a sexy death. Oh, um, imagine a giant vagina in the sand, and then there's a spaceship hovering above it, and there's a giant slug, <laughs> and he's being strangled to death by a hot woman in a gold bikini. I That struck me as a child. It changed the way I thought about Princess Leia, <laughs> and it got me into the BDSM that I'm, <laughs> that you know so well that I'm into. <laughs> no joke, that's literally the first one I have on my list of deaths here. <laughs> <laughs> choking out Jabba the Hutt? Well, I tried to like, I was like, should I put something from Star Wars on this list? And I was trying to think of like, you know, meaningful deaths. And I was like, well, that's at least good for a joke. It was good for a joke. I, I on my list of deaths, I have all these Kung Fu movies because I, I fucking love me some Kung Fu. You do. You're in a big Kung Fu kick right now. Oh, it's been happening for years. But in Shaw Brothers movies, whenever somebody dies, they die like so dramatically and they like arch their back and they're like, ah, ah, and then collapse. And I'm always like, who dies like that? Who did that the first time? And the director went, that's amazing. All of you do that. And they were like, do you think guess. only like people, do you think that was like a way that people, a lot of people died in the sixties and seventies <laughs> or like, maybe that's how they died. Like back in like the, the dynasty they're trying it's to represent. Historically accurate. Historically accurate. <laughs> Somebody was like, I died. Blah. And they're like, no, dude, nobody went. I want to see some old parchment <gasps> that shows people dying like that. Just just completely rigid and arching up and just ah, ah, spitting red paint out of their mouth. They were all choking on red paint. That's what killed them. <laughs> what? <laughs> it killed them for real because that shit was not safe to use in actors' mouths. Like, for sure. For sure. Um, Lead-based. We're talking about deaths, but what specifically are we talking about today? Well, we are helping a new friend of the show promote their podcast. Michael Nathanson is on our show talking about his show, Playing Dead. I'm really pumped about it, man. Yeah, it's, he, he's got a good podcast uh, called Playing Dead where he talks to uh, actors and people in the industry who were related to a very memorable on-screen death. So I think that's going to be 
I mean, it's right in our fucking wheelhouse. When they reached Dude. out to us, I was like, yes, we definitely want to get that going. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I, I'm sure you have a list and I'm sure he has a list. So <laughs> not all of mine are Jabba strangulation. Death. <laughs> um, Before but I think, we get I think, started, we do. I, I do got to I got to plug the socials. I got to. Hit us up, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. Watch us on YouTube. We're all pretty handsome, so you're going to like it. Um, yeah. Dude, should we, should we get on with the show? Should we do this? Yes, I think we should tread carefully, but yeah, let's, let's, go, let's go into the <laughs> underworld. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt. Special guest in the podcast. Uh, I'm super excited because I've seen this guy and other stuff, but we have Michael Nathanson here. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the launch pad. Uh, you got yeah. a show coming out, man. I do have a show coming out. I do have my own podcast. Finally, everyone's like, you talk way too much. You should have a podcast. I'm like, oh, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a podcast coming out. It's called Playing Dead. It uh, drops November 29th, the first episode. And uh, we have a big launch party slash event at. Um, LA Comic-Con on December 4th. Nice. A live show, live show on the main stage with a special guest. Apparently I'm allowed to say it now. I, I thought they were keeping it a surprise and then I just got the email, oh, where they're going to announce it on the LA Comic-Con website, so you might as well tell everyone. So uh, it's going to be an extra special episode direct from LA Comic-Con. It's uh, Keith David, the great Keith David. Nice! That's talk, cool. We're going to talk Nope. We're going to talk They Live. We're going to talk The Thing. We're going to talk the Princess and the Frog. I mean, um, come one of my on. Kids favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. He's one of my heroes. And so um I'm gonna bring my they live lunchbox for him to sign. That's that's the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, I have a they live lunchbox. Don't worry about it. I, I, I <laughs> as a as an avid collector of odd things too, uh, they they live lunchbox. That's I know. awesome. I like weird I, I like to I focus on like certain movies and like it's weird because like I you know, I, I used to go to a lot of Comic Cons and, and do signings and stuff and right and just for like events. You know, all the toy companies are always very happy to give you free stuff to go talk about it or put it on social media or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you can give me free stuff. I fucking love it. So <laughs> I and my wife doesn't like me to buy a lot of shit. So for me, it's yeah. more about if I get it for free, it's sort of like okay for me to have. Although sure. my garage now has like, you know, boxes of stuff that I don't even display. But it's so funny. Like, yeah, there's like certain movies where I just love to collect. Like weird if I see something weird from that movie, it doesn't matter what it is, I'll just buy it. And uh, the late they live lunchbox was was one of was something sent to me by the company that made it. But I was like, I saw it at the con. I was like, do you guys have any of those? Or like, oh, we'll send you one of those. I was like, amazing, oh, very so, often, very prominently on the shelf. So freaking cool! And so your show explores actors who have died in movies and TV, and you're talking to them about that experience. You're talking to them about how what it was like to be an actor doing this death scene. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. How how did the what is the genesis of how how you came about? doing this, this podcast. Yeah, you know, so uh, I'm sure at least a handful of your listeners know that uh, I died in The Punisher. And <laughs> spoiler alert, like if you haven't seen the first season of The Punisher, there's only, first of all, there's only two seasons. And, and uh, but yeah, I died uh, towards the end of the first season and I had this very like intense, I like to think in my own mind, iconic 
I'll let you be the judge. Let other people decide what that is. But um, for me, you know, I, I'm a lifelong nerd and I, I, you know, all this stuff is, I was a comics guy. I was a, you know, been a Star Wars movie guy, all that stuff growing up in the eighties and nineties. So when I, when I got this job working for Marvel, I was, I mean, I was a kid in a candy store. It was the best fucking thing of all time. And I think, and Marvel, they used to say like, you are, as I was, I was used to uh, crash the Marvel offices in Midtown Manhattan. Um, just to say hi, I would just like stop by and say hi. Sometimes they give me like tours and then they just let me like give me shit from the closet. I'm like, is there anything else in the closet <laughs> you're giving away? And they just got I mean, any lunch boxes in there. Yeah, I know exactly. And Joe Casada <laughs> and I ended up becoming really, really friendly because I started going, he started inviting, he invites a lot of the actors from the shows to his Christmas parties because he tends to, because he's a creative and he tends to get involved with some of the folks there. And, and we got to talking and we just, we would always love to hang and talk about, you know, everything, movies, comics, whatever. And he was like, dude, you're like the biggest fan we've ever had as an actor. Like very few actors have ever been hired by us who are like as excited to just be around the shit as you are. And I, you know, I always knew I was going to die in the show. It wasn't a big mystery. It wasn't something that where I like showed up to that episode, read table read and was like, oh my God, what? Yeah. So I knew that was going to happen. So the whole time I'm doing the show, I was thinking to myself, how can I, aside from, you know, some stupid Marvel, you know, magical trick with Dr. Strange or something, how can I like survive and have some other role in this universe? And I came up with this idea. Originally, it was called You're Dead to Me. And it was going to be um, uh, uh, a show where, yes, I interviewed other people who died in, in Marvel things. And I was going to do it with Marvel. And then I, I pivoted to trying it out as a TV show that kind of changed. It was going to be sort of like a Nerdist style, sort of funny TV show. And I was pitching that around. And then the pandemic rolled around and sort of pivoted in a lot of ways. You know, I could, we could talk two hours about all the pivots that happened. And then um, ultimately, I always envisioned it as a podcast and started thinking about it last year again as, well, maybe we should start pitching this as a podcast because, you know, podcasts are really having such a, a moment now. And it, it seems like it fits that mold so perfectly. And Lionsgate Sound just happened to be starting up and looking for content and looking for certain kinds of shows. And obviously with their huge, uh, you know, warehouse of IP and, you know, they're in this this business as well and so they got excited and we partnered and here we are and and we uh you know recorded our first season this year and it's uh it's going to come my vision like you know you have that vision like at some point where you just like think about something and you want it so badly to to see it through and i think in this business you guys probably understand this too like you know so many times you create or you want to create you try and you try and try and even if it happens it's not it, you have to like give up so much along the way and so many times it can become something so different from what you originally intended. But I would say in this case, we have to pivot the title because apparently there was another, apparently there was another podcast called You're Dead to Me. It's like a British podcast. I think they talk about like deaths in history, like not famous deaths, but just like death throughout history and how people survived it. And I was like, oh man, I liked my because it had the double meaning, you're dead to me in Hollywood and you're dead, you know. Yeah. But then I was like, they're like, you gotta come up with a new title. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. All right. And I wrote a bunch of shit down and playing dead popped out. And I was like, how about playing dead? They're like, that's actually better than your dead to me. I was like, yeah, it might be. Um, I know it feels a little walking dead. It feels a little talking dead, but playing dead kind of cuts to exactly what it is. Right. Yeah. And, and like I said, it, it really, it's a real dream fulfilled because I'm a huge fan. Like I love to meet these people. I love to talk to these people. Every time I go to a comic con as a guest, I'd corner people in these green rooms and be like, 
hey man, I love your work. You know, like I'll never forget, like I was moving to LA a few years ago and I was at a Comic-Con as a guest and Robert Englund was in the green room and we ended up having this conversation about like charter schools in LA. And then I had to pinch myself. <laughs> as you do. Like, this is weird. I'm talking to Freddie and he's giving me recommendations about charter schools for my kids in LA. But like those conversations are so weird. But I was always, um, I was always poking and, and, and prodding these guys to give me information about the movies they worked on, the creators they worked with, all that stuff. So it's just, it's the, it's the best. It's like having a toy collection come to life. And you get to talk. Yeah, you get to make it your job, which is so amazing. It's funny because we corner people at Comic-Cons too. Uh, it's like we love to like run up on people uh, like, oh, my God, you created the Ninja Turtles. Talk to us. And they're like, okay. yeah, I mean, that's how I feel. I, 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 every time I see, I get someone asked me, like, do you get nervous when you talk to people? I was like, S sometimes not just because they're famous. They have to be like certain people and certain people make me insane. Like and other people might be like, that person makes you nervous. And I'm like, don't you understand? They directed this. Place. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nobody yeah. gets it, but it's, it's all imprints from my childhood that are now have sort of, you know, uh, created the, per the human being that I am or the geek adult that I am. So when I see those people in particular, like, you know, if I ever met Lance Guest, I'd be like, I'd have a heart attack because The Last Starfighter was like the most formative movie of my childhood. Wow, and then I saw yeah. him on some TV show looking like, who was it? He was in a TV. Wow. I just saw him in something, something weird where he looked so old and haggard and played like an abusive dad. And then like, gets like, oh, the patient, the Steve Carell show. Oh, OK. Uh, he's in that. He shows up. Yeah, he shows up in that series. And I was like, is that Lance Guest? And my wife's like, who? I'm like, oh, yeah, right. hey, you don't, don't understand, worry about it. Yeah, you don't yeah, understand. Yeah. Last Starfighter. And they're like, mm. that's like yeah. some of the, the coolest right. things. And we've talked to so many people. And like you said, we've talked to some like A-list people that are interesting and they they were really great to talk to but we've talked to some other people who like literally literally directed a straight to sci-fi channel movie about a ghost shark and yeah. for us i don't know if we would have been any more excited to talk to steven spielberg because of what that movie means to us and the discussions that we got to have with that guy about his birthday cake as a child and it's like that's you know it's like it's that moment of like I'm actually talking to this guy who maybe nobody else cares about, but it means something to me. And you've only been here for a couple minutes now, but your fandom, your, your passion is so apparent that this is, I know this is going to be a fun episode. I'm a little embarrassed to say that when I was doing the research for this episode, I thought you were the British guy from the other podcast about playing dead so I have done all the wrong research. <laughs> you you're dead to me. Wait, you're dead to me. One, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know who you are. What's your deal? <laughs> He's fucking with me. He's fucking with you. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does it to me at least once an episode. Where he'll be like, "You did? That's did you know this?" Sarcastic bastard, too. My wife. Does <laughs> you get it. You get it. Um, yeah, Dude, that I podcast. No, that podcast is amazing. I'm sure it is. No, nothing to take away from there. Yeah, it's just uh, there's not going to be as much uh, audience overlap with their show as there will be for our shows. But, but you know, it's 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 funny. So many of the conversations that I've had on my podcast, you know, when you talk about these, you talk about their sort of iconic deaths or the roles they played, but like they talk about their favorite stuff and their the things that they geek out over. And the most beautiful thing about doing these podcasts, you know, if you I think if you do it right, is that you realize that we're all at heart just fans of something because it's not like people become actors become famous like you know sea monkeys you add water and they're famous actors and it's just like like they had a whole life before that where they were just 
sitting in the movie theater watching these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Things, and they all are influenced by those things too. And you should see, it's funny how they geek out over certain people and certain things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I love talking to, I love when I, when it, you, you get into other people's like famous people's fandom, that, that level of, and then, and then the, the work really begins, you know? So it's cool. So something we wanted to do today, uh, since, yeah. since you're the guest on our show, we wanted to talk about some of our favorite, death scenes in movies and get some of yours as well because you know see see if maybe we can inspire some future guests or talk about some uh guests that you'll never be able to get because they're unfortunately not here but maybe you'd think that they were a cool interview so i'm, I'm gonna kick this off and then we'll do a little round table wait but you're you want me you want me to tell you all the all the people i would have liked to have interviewed if they were well, actually alive may, maybe i so so for, here's yes one. maybe here's, not all of them you know, but give funny. us one or two yeah, yeah it's funny like that, that that's the one thing about the show. It's like, you got to get this show on the road. It's like those people over a certain age, it's like, if I want them on my show, we better get them as a guest soon. We better get a season two going immediately because that person is 90 or that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then you could do a spinoff podcast called actually dead. And it would be where you discuss <laughs> actors who are actually dead. And you know what I do? I'll get like really good impersonators like Ross Marquand to come on and yes. play the dead actors talking yes. about the roles boom yeah. genius you got Steal it. our idea take the idea there we go Man, this is... partner. we'll partner up on that all right i'm on board for that i know <laughs> I a lot this. of dead people i want to talk to but who <laughs> do you have one do you have do you have an actor who has portrayed an on-screen death that's memorable to you that is no longer with us that we can't talk to but you think it would be great to dig that person up and and get inside their head <laughs> oh fuck me what a great question and like of course totally unprepared to answer it uh if i give you one maybe 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 we can riff off that yeah you have yeah, one yeah. already Ruth? What do you i have i oh i have one i have i have a whole most like of mine robert it. shaw who played quint had one of the most memorable deaths in my life because that i'm a kid i'm watching jaws my parents are like yeah you're old enough have some fun with jaws it's terrifying i'm losing my mind and then you get to the robert shaw death that comes out of nowhere like literally i did not expect i was like He's the hard ass. He's going to survive the whole movie. Of course, right? This guy's a bad ass. And suddenly he's bit in half with a shark. Blood's coming out of his mouth. He's stabbing the thing in the eye. And I'm I just am. like, oh. One of the, one of the, uh, I'm not a huge Funko collector, even though I love Funko and all that shit. And I, you know, it's one of those things where you have to stop before yes. you start. You can't, yeah. you can't go down that road. It's a slippery slope. But I do have the Funko, the collector's Funko. I think it was from a San Diego Comic-Con from a number of years ago. And it's the shark eating Quint. Uh, and that's like a very prominent. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that Funko is amazing. He's just like half bloodied inside the shark. That, that scene was one of the scariest um, things I'd, I'd ever seen as a kid. I, that gave me yeah. fucking forever. It was so... I, Jaws gave me nightmares to always... I couldn't even go in pools without thinking about Jaws when I was a kid. But that scene in particular, just... It was so gruesome and terrifying. But yeah, that's a great... He great would be... Choice. I can't top that. I'm, well, I'm, I'm just going to leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. Enjoy. No, yeah. seriously, yeah. think about if getting getting Robert Shaw, just to think about him, like, I think he'd be cantankerous as hell. Just like, like <laughs> <laughs> as a person, uh, not necessarily about the death, just in like general. <laughs> you know, that whole scene, that whole scene he does where he recounts the, uh, what was the Mauritania? The USS Indianapolis. Yeah, but it was the more, but it was like the more, it was the Mauritania was the one in real life or something, like that? or is the United no, Indianapolis? No, Indianapolis is real, yeah. USS My Indianapolis is real, ship. dude. Uh, it was another ship where a bunch of people died. All right, yeah. Anyway. Whatever the one he's talking about, like that 
that month, he was so drunk every, you know, like 24 hours a day on that set. And so that, that, that they kept trying to get him to do that monologue and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And finally he was like, give it one last try. And he did it. And he did it all in one take. And it was like, that is, and it's the only usable one. And it was like, perfect. And apparently Spielberg was like, "Uh, okay, great cut. Because they were so, (laughs) and they were so shocked. They were able to get it because they tried, they, they kept stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard so many fun, crazy stories about that, about him on that movie. Not, not the easiest guy to work with, I guess. But, no, um, not at all. And he didn't I think mean, it was going to work. He's just like this goofy robot shark. None of this is working. And then, right. He's like, it's like Alec Guinness in Star Wars, the same kind of thing. He's like, what yeah. the hell am I doing here? Yeah. Collecting the check. We've been lucky enough to interview a couple people from that show. And we interviewed uh, Jeffrey Voorhees, who plays Alex Kittner. So we got to talk to, the grown-up version of the little oh, kid that gets wow. eaten off the raft. That was, and he had some very cool stories. Like, you know, you're viewing a movie production of a like literally the first blockbuster that Hollywood ever manufactured that changed the way filmmaking and summer blockbusters were made and released. And you're 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 kind of hearing some of these stories through you know a 10, 12 year old kid's eyes being on the ground during that time. It was pretty. It was a pretty cool thing. And and you know he. He's obviously a pretty cool death in that movie. That's the one that I mean, Quint is good, but that that's a death that stuck with me from there. The kid dying is way is way more disturbing, obviously, because it just like feels like it could happen. Like you're not going to be as, you know, a a shanty singing grizzly old sea captain (laughs) soon, but like forever (laughs) you could be a kid swimming in the ocean and like a fucking giant fish could come and eat you like that. Yeah. And then your mom just runs past everybody into the shore and she's the only one standing in the water looking for her kid. Fuck. Then you get Kittner the dolly boy. zoom. Kittner boy. Yeah. <laughs> dolly zoom. Yeah, brutal. I mean, I would say not, not that, I mean, we just brought him up. I mean, Alec Guinness would have been a cool one to, to talk to just because I would just be curious, like, what George Lucas told him when Vader swiped him and he was getting, like, oh, all right, uh, you know, Alec, uh, uh, David's going to uh, swing, <laughs> swing his light stick at you, and in uh, post production, we're going to make you disappear. And he'd probably like, oh, just shoot already, you know. He like, <laughs> but like, you want to know, like, did he tell him he did? He does he? He's like, and you're going to become a ghost, or you're dead, or like, you, know, you want to know kind of what the motivation was behind, like him praying and the whole thing. Are you killing yourself? That would have been an interesting interview. Just to explain the Jedi, like even earlier when he's like, so I, do I know this kid who comes to my house? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the son of your old like partner. And he's like, and I just give him a light sword. Doesn't that seem dangerous? Does anybody Dude, think that there is no way? I'll tell you, I've talked to some Star Wars people. There's no way that Lucas had any of that mapped out. I think he had about like 20 percent of that thing mapped out and then and then, you know, made it up as he went along. There's just no way. No, no way. way. Yeah, but it also makes sense. Half of it doesn't even make sense. And then all the stuff that's come the last 20 years doesn't make any sense. So I gave up. But, but man, but, I'm still throwing money at that. Just, <laughs> oh, I see everything. And I don't care. They hooked me early. Jesus. And, oh. you know, it's funny. Actually, one of the um, the most resounding deaths for me on my list here was Alec Guinness's death in A New Hope. Because I thought that we would probably hit to more um, flashy deaths. But, you know, and granted, we're all like we just said, jokingly, but for real, whenever we watch Alec Guinness put that lightsaber up and let himself get struck down, there's so much more gravitas now after all of the other Star Wars that we've all seen. We're attaching so much extra meaning to it. But that death is a big fucking deal. Like 
I, I, there's a lot going on in the force in the first three movies chronologically that uh, I use the force a lot to equate it to emotional understanding and comprehensioning and trying to teach my three-year-old that he should be like Luke and not like Vader because of XYZ. But there's so many lessons there. And Alec Guinness looks over at Luke, looks back at Vader and, you know, gives into that. I think that he was doing that for a purpose because he's like, shit, this kid's got some stuff going down. And even if I beat Vader in this fight, that's not what's going to be best for him in the next, you know, 30 years. And he made that uh, theoretically made that this. Well, I guess he probably thought about it on the ship a little bit. But like, I think that's a really heavy moment for what you said, Michael, that Lucas was probably like, okay, you're just going to put your sword up a little bit. Yeah, you want, I mean, you wonder, he, I mean, I'm not going to get in, I'm not going to attempt to get inside George Lucas's head. Um, but, you know, you wonder, he just said, you know, look, you know, this, it's all about the next generation and sacrifice and, and understanding that, you know, we all are, we all have a, an end point, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you leave behind, and how you can make the world a better place and leave your mark. And sometimes, I guess, in this case, it's like, you literally leave your mark by leaving your mark mm-hmm. as, as a robe on the floor. But um, by the way, I've dropped my robe on the floor many times and uh, it didn't leave a mark. <laughs> for anybody. Everyone just got really disturbed by it. Um, <laughs> you, wife, thank you very much. Your family um, didn't even have time to like tow it and see yeah. if you were in there or not. <laughs> it was so weird. Um, I, by the way, I thought of one, I thought of somebody I really wanted to talk to. It's funny. Yeah. I, I wanted to do, um, we had, you know, when we were plotting out the first season, we were talking about, oh, like, okay, the if the world is your oyster, you know, what are, what do you want to talk about? Who do you want to talk to? What are the, what are the things you want to explore? And so I kind of started developing this Google Doc where I was mapping out all of these sort of, you know, uh, franchises and properties and things and like who died and those things and who I'd want to talk to. And of course, Ghostbusters, you know, I have my, my tent poles and like Ghostbusters is one of them. And yes. so I really wanted to, and I, and I think Afterlife had come out, did Afterlife come out last summer, two summers ago now? Pretty recent. Yeah. It's been, whatever it was, it had come out and they had the whole, they dealt with the whole Harold Ramis staff and Spangler yeah. and all. And I was like, Oh, we should absolutely do an episode where we talk to Bob Gunton, who did the the uh, you know the he was the actual person, the actor, the guy actor from uh, he's in the Shawshank Redemption. He played mm-hmm. important in Shawshank Redemption. He okay. was the actual you know actor who played Spangler in the movie, the physical. Oh actor. wow! Um, and I really wanted to talk to him and to talk to Ivan Reitman about just the legacy and what happened, and and we were going to reach out, and then of course, right at that time, Ivan Reitman passed away, so. I've been writing with somebody I really wanted to talk about. I wanted to discuss how they came up with that, how Jason came up with it, what the decisions were and how they did it. And yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a really, really cool thing to talk about. But um, yeah. All right, P man. I, I, I really love that movie because as much as it was a love letter to Ghostbusters, but also just to Harold Ramis, which I thought was beautiful. I thought they did a beautiful job. It was really touching and a fun movie. You know, I love I Ghostbusters. I cried, in that. I cried several times. Oh uh, yeah, it was it was it was hard not to man. It was oh man, yeah. Especially when like he comes up behind the 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 new generation of Ghostbusters and he's like helping them. I was like, huh? I mean, yeah, hold this one in there. Mm, and you know, and you know what? I, I just want to say, look, I'm no I'm no prequel apologist, Star Wars prequel apologist. I'm no you know I tell it like it is. There are things I like within the sort of worlds that I am a fan of, and things I don't like. And I'm not someone. And believe me, I know plenty of people in this business, especially those who like host shows and write. Stuff like 
just won't ever say a bad word about anything. But I feel like it's important to call out bullshit when there's bullshit, especially mm. in love. But um, what I would say is, you know, for people who do complain sometimes that these movies come out, these sort of legacy movies come out beyond, you know, whether whether it's a Star Wars property, whether it's Ghostbusters Afterlife, whatever, you have to remember they're all made for kids. They're made for they're made for kids. They were made for us as kids. They weren't made for adults. I think back in the day, a lot of these were uh, probably based on the fact that like you could get away with a lot more shit back then. You know, they made it for adults as well, and they were able to slip in lots more stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to just respect that these legacies are for the next generation. And it's like you pay an homage to what came before, and you continue it with the the new kids and the new kids on the block, whatever it is, not the new kids on the block. You know, you know what? Then I would I would prefer them not to continue at all. Shoot them all. I found them. On the but um, you know what I'm saying? And it's like yeah. it's just I I Afterlife was not a perfect movie. There were things of it in it that didn't excite me. There were things in it that I was like, okay. But like, if you try to if you try to put yourself in those kids' shoes, you know, and someone who's ten years old, even five years old you know, watches those for the first time. Like those are, they're amazing and they're clever and they're, and they're of, they're of their time. And how old are your kids, Michael? I have nine year old twin girls. Oh, wow. So they're like, but they're, that's a great age for them to start consuming the type of stuff that, you know, theoretically you love and that you could share with them. And I, Bella's, like, I trust. Rumi's got a young, yeah. Oh, you have a, you have a young, he's got younger, younger. She's a, she's still, I got, I got a two year old. Yeah. Okay. And I got a three and a half, but he just found Doug. He just found Ghostbusters. Well, I was going to say three and a half. You're probably showing him like Freddy's dead and like transform. He's already <laughs> sorry. He's already seen the whole Freddy. Yeah. My wife and I are having a lot of difference of opinion based on the media that my son Kent is into. Um, <laughs> but he's like Ghostbusters is a good example. Star Wars is a good example. There's stuff that he knows to be Ghostbusters, that he knows to be Spider-Man, that he knows to be Star Wars. That is not my Star Wars, not my Ghostbusters, not my Spider-Man, but I don't know if it's fatherhood in the fact that I'm sharing this with him, but it's definitely like there's a, I don't care anymore. I don't care that it's changed and that it's different and that it's not the same one I had. I think it's great that you could take such a blanket like Star Wars and there's so much in there for me to love. There's so much in there for him to love. And now there's so much in there for the two of us to overlap. Like... He knows Mandalorian. Mandalorian's not my favorite part of Star Wars, but it was okay, and he likes it. So, fuck, man, let's bond over that. Let's have fun, right? Yeah, I think I think the the, the biggest issue I have with sort of nerd nerddom and fandom, and when when fans become hosts or fans become writers or fans become critics, there's that yucking other people's yum constantly. Yeah, and it fucking drives me crazy because it's like I'm fine to have an opinion about something, but I, I it's you know. <laughs> You got to respect other people's love of what they love. And right, right, right. That, and that's that's what being a geek or nerd or being a fan is all about. It's like respecting other people's fan love, whatever that may be. And I think that's when it gets dark. You know, that's when like fan, fan sure. dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't mean you can't like have debates and have opinions, but respecting other people's opinions about the stuff, especially children. Um, it's right. funny at nine years old, my, you know, I, I really wish my kids had gotten into Star Wars as much as me. And like, I've definitely tried with a lot of this stuff to show the movies and TV and stuff like that. But what I love is that they try because they know how much I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That they, they, they can, they're so smart and so, so like empathetic 
that they tune into me, how much it means to me, and they do it as a favor. But there will be moments where I'll show them something and they'll be like, whoa. Like I showed them Gremlins two years ago, maybe a year ago, because I was like, okay, what year did I see Gremlins? How old was I? Okay, they can see Gremlins at this age. Of course, watching Gremlins again, I'm like, oh, guns, oh, smoking, oh, all this crap. And they're just like, and that's the part they hated the most was like smoking. <laughs> they think that's the worst thing in the world. But like, for some reason, Gremlins was just like huge. They just like loved it. And I was like, okay, like Beetlejuice, another one, loved it. Great. Um, See, that's but, fun. Like, there were certain ones where I like totally expect them to love it. And they're just like, mm, we watched yeah. it. We were just like, oh, God damn it. Oh. <laughs> one shot at it, right? Kind yeah. Of. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. My two-year-old loves Godzilla. She sings Godzilla. We talk about Godzilla. I have an original Godzilla versus all monsters on the on the on the wall, destroy all monsters poster, and she points to Godzilla. We wave to him every day. So like I'm hoping that we can bond over Godzilla, but I'm also waiting for a moment to be like, Dad, these are really boring. And I'm like, oh well, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. Well, little kids like to jump around and destroy things. So she's probably like yeah, yeah, it's, talking about oh, that. But you never know. You never know, right? And it's funny because I totally agree that it's like respecting fandom, but then also I can't be a hypocrite because I've literally talked for hours where I just took fat dumps over stuff that people liked and just shat all over it. But at the wait, same wait. time, and that's okay. Wait, I'm saying I feel like that's okay. You can have your opinions be like, this is why I don't like it. But I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Just when it becomes toxic in that way, you know, especially when you're talking about the things you love and then yeah. as, as they continue and the franchise moves forward and stuff. I mean, I, will very gladly shit all over uh, um, uh, <laughs> prequels. Yeah. <laughs> no, the last Star Wars movie that came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The uh, end. end one. Jesus, help me, guys. Revenge the Revenge of, of Skywalker. Skywalker. The Skywalker's Revenge. Skywalker, the isn't it the last Jedi? The last Starfighter? Last Some sort of yeah, last. Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Who farted? Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I like to call it. That last movie, I, I went to see it by myself. I was like, I told my wife, I told my friends, I was like, I need to go see this by myself. I need to get really high and just have a singular experience in movie theater. In <laughs> yeah. Just to like finish this off. Like this is, I want to, and, and I was like, I was, I really love Last Jedi in a lot of ways. Did I think it was like a Star Wars movie in some ways? Yes, in some ways, no. I respect yeah. a lot of it, but I was like, I loved that it made me think about it in a different way. And I was like, what is this next one going to be? Yeah. And then when they, when JJ took over, I was like, okay, well, I saw JJ's first one. I saw Ryan's second one. Okay. It's going to be some mind meld of the two, which I think could be like the greatest version of what this should be. And instead it was that. And yeah, <laughs> I, it was, it was half apologizing for the last. They're like, Hey, sorry about that last movie. Yeah. Uh, spectacle, spectacle, spectacle. And I was just like, Oh no. It was utter nonsense. And I love yeah. JJ Abrams stuff and I feel terrible. Sure. You know, I, I, I'm also a working actor. So it's like, I got to be careful not to shit on other directors. Work. <laughs> oh, cause JJ like, Abrams is for sure liking and subscribing to the Launchpad <laughs> podcast. Dude, so be careful know. what you say. You never know who's listening to what. Look, I tech, I tweeted something about Mark Hamill once. And he and I started a whole conversation about it. So, like, <laughs> you never know, like, who's listening and who's watching at that moment. But, like, yeah, you just, you know, sometimes it, it, it's what it's when they are trying to fix their own mistakes. Right, right, yeah. Own, just either own it or move <sighs> on. Well, that's why that's why uh, 
the middle one, the the last Jedi was so smart because I was like, they're finally divorcing themselves from the things that have been chains, mm -hmm. chains yeah. to to Star Wars, and then and then suddenly like Disney was just like, oh, we don't like, oh oh, oh how yeah. did we let this happen? And they had to just. He, they tried to course correct it instead of just owning it and going forward. And I don't know, you know, I, I, I agree with you there. Well, I, I did gobble up that, that spectacle. Um, and I, I do love the, the overall arc of Ray, I think is like, cool, you know, great. And, and, you know, my nieces are just like obsessed with that, but you know, Listen, plot, tell you, you know, plot wise, you're just like, <laughs> I don't remember yeah, I anything know. about it. I remember like snippets, like a dream. I really couldn't tell you what the, the overarching last movie went right over my well the last movie just yeah. really went over my head. I just I yeah, I remember it was loud and it was long and I kept saying why is the emperor in this? Why is the emperor in this? Why is the why emperor, emperor in this? this? Mm -hmm. why, he died. Cuz extical. Yeah, the, the movies just keep keep becoming like acid flashbacks. We were like, "No wait, no wait, no wait." Yeah. And like but I will tell you, yes, the, the biggest takeaway from my kids watching the original trilogy cuz I was like we're going to sit down. I've got the non-special edition that I bootlegged years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to project it on the wall. Like, I was not going to show them any edition but the one I saw for their first experience. The first thing they said to me after the first movie was over was, where are all the girls? Because mm. oh. they were like, what the fuck? They thought Princess Leia was cool, but they were like, why is there one woman in the whole movie? Yeah. Basically. It's true. I get Aunt Beru, but like... <laughs> <laughs> they were just, you know, because all the so many of the things that they watch these days are not, you know, it's not they're not. Yeah, yeah. They're not necessarily female. They're just like it's, an, you know, people are thinking about the idea of representation now. Thank God. Mm -hmm. But just if you think about it on such a like a basic level, the idea that like these movies were made and these are the movies we love. And like when you have daughters who, you know, you won't want them to love the shit you love. And, you, and then you kind of look back and you're like, oh, fuck. What, yeah. you know, the, the, the what's the. um What's the word when it's uh, the whole the whole sort of male hierarchy dominated, you know, old the patriarchy. Yeah. Patriarchy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I've, I've been flying. I've been flying like through three time zones the last three days. Oh, you're jet lagged as hell. But thank you for coming on the show anyway. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, But that's the thing. It's like it's such a patriarchal thing. And, and again, like I don't want to join a mob about everything. And I want to respect what came before. I think you need to honor it and understand it. And it's important to contextualize it. But like, I re realized that some of these movies were going to be a tough sell for my kids because it's like things like that are important to them, like seeing themselves in these things. And you yeah. wonder about all those girls who watched those movies growing up when we were kids and like, what were they thinking? Oh, I yeah. have another movie with a bunch of male heroes. Great. And they didn't really talk about it because that's just the way things were. But if you think about it in retrospect for your kids' eyes, watching those movies, it would just, it, it really, I don't know, it, it took, it, it completely blew my mind in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's when you when you look at a lot of what we consumed as kids like he-man is not going to be will never be a big sell to my kid guarantee you i don't think it's a big sell to this generation like masters of the universe is purely like an 80s boy thing shira the original animated shira my kids love that shit really well not and the new one the old one the old yeah, one yeah loved it mm. they loved it i don't know why i don't know why they love fantasy and they love harry <laughs> They're big Harry Potter fans. Like we, yeah. we read the books. We're we're deep into book five right now, and awesome. I think they they love all that kind of stuff. That like mysticism and fantasy and all that. But I but I think seeing Shira as like this, you know, Kira, this woman who's like I don't know. I think that that that's cool. And they when they see that they can dig it and they can get into it. 
because they feel they feel a connection to it in that way. I think that's the thing is the connection. And I think our kids are growing up in a world that's different than when we, the world that we grew up in. And I believe that the, the content that they're watching, the pop culture world is different. There's different things that are focused on. There are different things that are trying to be pushed through versus when we were little. There's different things that weren't thought about back then that are being thought about now. So, you know, like our kids' brains literally are different than ours because of everything. The world, like the world outside their door is different than what was outside ours and the world on the screen, right? Totally. And they're processing all of that in a different way. And so like, again, it goes back to this thing where it's like, I want them to love all these movies that I love that I want that legacy to go on. And when you think about having kids, you're like, I can't wait to show them this and I can't wait to show them that. But you're like, oh, wait, fuck. You know, that's why there's a whole generation that loves the prequels. I was at the Star Wars. Right. What was the Star Wars? It's a big Star Wars convention out in Anaheim. Uh, Celebration. Celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Celebration this year. And um, I'd never been and I got invited. I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. So I go and they had a huge um, in the big theater there. They, they were doing a big event where uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen were going to come out and like talk to the crowd. And, um, you know, they always pull out some surprises. They'll show you a trailer that they haven't released or whatever. And I was with somebody who was, I don't know, I guess he's probably about 15 years younger than me, maybe a little bit less, but a solid generation or two. Yeah. You know, younger and he and i was like oh cool uh you and mcgregor and hayden christian are gonna come out and and he was literally like shaking and i was like what he was like well that's my whole childhood and in my mind it's just all i think is prequels 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 right. yeah and for him star wars is the prequels right those are the movies he saw first in the movie theaters and those the relationship between obi-wan and um, what's that guy's name? C three PO. Relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin, you know, is like is is that relationship between Han and Luke that we had? Right, right. You yeah. know, it's just a different and the the place was so thrilled and you and you and McGregor was so funny on stage. He was like sort of he was like yes I know and he's like yeah I know that the you know the the prequels have not uh, you know not been received uh, in the past, but you know uh, I hope. Uh, over time, you you know they've they've learned to age like a fine wine, and everyone's like, "We love you know." But the crowd was super into it, and I was like, "It worked for me." But you you watch thousands thousands of people, and you're like, "It just it just puts it all into perspective." It's it's so yeah yeah yeah. You know, the funny thing to think about also though is like our generation came up. I'm I'm going to bring it full circle again. Um, we yeah. saw some very traumatic things, like the movies that we grew up with. Like I think right back to Never Ending Story when you watch that horse die that's, in the bog. I, that's on my list, dude. Like, I had that too. Can you interview that horse? Yeah, go down in that fucking mud. You'll love that episode that I have on my podcast. Then <laughs> nice. Wait, who did you talk to? The horse. I, I talked to the fucking horse. It's actually just. It's actually just a bottle of blue. funny enough the bottle of glue still has the same facial expression (laughs) oh god but like if you watch wait if you watch that that horse is way too calm when it's dying that horse just sort of accepts its death it's like i'm dying it obi that obi-wan horse it looked over at atreyu and was like no atreyu's losing his fucking shit yeah that horse there's a, there's a moment though when its eyes are like I don't like going under the water and you're like oh, I don't Funny, I will tell you, look, I will tell you that like on my show you know one of the questions is you know what's your favorite what was your favorite death what was your um 
you know, the thing that had the most, the most indelible impact on your life. And our tax came up for so many people. I bet. Uh, it was so funny. Um, and yeah, again, like, I guess I, I mean, I guess I can spoil it. We have a, we have a, we have somebody from Never Ending Story on the, on the podcast. Yes. Um, who really, uh, has a pretty big role in it. Maybe the biggest role in it. And, uh, we got to, we got to hear a lot of interesting stories about that, um, that death from firsthand. Uh, but it's a, damn. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, no, it's no, not the I, kid from the sequel who is in Sequest, right? Cause he, no, he's on my no. list of kids that I would talk to if I could go back from the grave. Oh, that poor guy. Oh, <laughs> Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Brandon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, what a, uh, it's a terrible tragedy. Um, no, I talked to Noah Hathaway. It was amazing. He, uh, oh. fucking cool guy. And we got real metaphysical about never ending story about not just about our taxes death, but about like, is a tray you dead at the end of that? Interesting. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but it, it got, no, that that's fascinating. Um, are you allowed to say what, what death impacted you the most? Or is that something we need to listen to find out? Huh, me personally? Yeah. In movies. Oh God. In movies. Well, I would tell you the death that I, and not, not to give a nod to your, the show that you work on, but Glenn dying in walking dead is, is probably the death that has, stayed with me more than anything I've seen on almost my entire life. I knew that it was going to happen from the comics, mm -hmm. but just seeing it and them doing it in such a, they did it. They did it. Did you, and I'm assuming you worked on the VFX. I don't know so how long you've been. I, I came in right after that. So I came right. in okay. season nine and it, it was so fresh and so raw. And that, that episode is just genetically engineered as best you could do that to just drag you through it and make you feel it and then hold you to it. They don't oh. let you look away. It's no, it haunts me. I cannot stop thinking about it to this day. And I remember when there was the episode, the cliffhanger from the previous season where, you know, he crawls under the dumpster and you're like, Oh, he's yeah. definitely dead. And I was like, and there were all those like memes of like, if Glenn dies, we're going to riot. And like nobody wanted Glenn to die. And Glenn was my favorite character on that show for sure. And, and Steven was the best actor on that show. That guy's just fucking. Oh, he's, fun he's fun phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. And then when they didn't kill him, I was like, oh, fuck you. But I was like, oh, right. They're actually going to save him for the actual death. And then when they killed um, Abraham, Abraham, yeah, I was like, mm -hmm. there were so many red herrings, like they were trying to misdirect it. But then but then when they actually did it and they kill him in front of his pregnant wife, pregnant wife, I was like, damn. Like, yeah, that, yeah. It's, I think about movies that were, were deaths really affected me. But like, for some reason, I always that always flashes in my brain. And I always want mm. to go. I can't stop thinking about that moment. The one for me um, yeah. is Marilyn Eastman in Night of the Living Dead. I saw that movie way too young, and it's the mom in the basement, and her zombie daughter stabs her to death with a trowel, and it makes the weirdest noise. <laughs> yeah, and, and the screaming turns into a distorted howl, and I was just, yeah. as a kid, just... And that movie had two of them, because you survive that, and then the star dies, and I had mm -hmm. never seen a movie that killed the hero, and I was... That movie ruined me, and I've been obsessed with zombies ever since. That's ever crazy. since, it's, it, it's kind of like when they killed uh, Janet Lee in Psycho, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like that was on my star, and then suddenly everyone was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I watched both point, of those they movies. Had never done that in a movie. Yeah, I, well, I just watched both of those movies this past Halloween season, and I, we've seen those movies a hundred times, right? We've seen the remakes and the copies a, a thousand times, but watching Psycho, when you really get into it, she dies at the end of the first reel, like. She dies in the first act. You were, and even though the movie is a scary movie, it's called Psycho. Even if you went into it blind, if you knew nothing, 
you knew that you were in for shocks and scares. But when a movie kills the main character in a very brutal, at the, especially at the time, out oh. of nowhere, fuck, that is like one of the most. And I because know, like, I, I watched that in high school for the first time. I was a junior in high school. I remember the night. I knew the movie almost point by point just from pop culture references. I'd never seen it. Goosebumps the whole time I watched it, even though I knew the two big reveals, the two big scenes. But it just is so effective. And it's not just the death. It's the storytelling around the death, right? And it's the same thing in Night of the Living Dead for both what you're saying, Rumi, the, the cellar scene. And then at the end, when he looks out that window and gets shot. And it's like, oh. I watched that recently. And I was like, I knew it was coming. I had just I had bought the Criterion. So I was watching all of the DVD special features and thinking about all that, you know, the commentary and what that scene may or may not be saying and satirizing and stuff. But like, I've seen that movie so many times, but I was like, Fuck, I don't... No, don't look out that window. Bah! You're like, oh, oh, man. I just thought of another one that really disturbed me. And it doesn't put it into the category of death necessarily because he is somewhat resurrected. But I saw RoboCop way too yes. young. Yeah. Way too, way too young. Like, we all did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you guys... I'd like to hear your personal experience of how you got to see it. Mine was a friend of mine in the early days of like VHS, not like early days, not like Betamax days, but like <laughs> in the days when like, you know, someone had a VHS copy of something that was bought or whatever. Mm -hmm. He had a copy of Robocop. It was probably a year after it came out. So whenever it was, and I was probably eight years old at the time. And it was like this thing was like, oh, dude, like Austin got a copy of fucking Robocop. We're it's a rite of passage, right? Like yeah. it was a rite of passage. And when I watched that movie, when I watched them kill Peter Weller, shoot his hand off, mm -hmm. like just destroy him in that scene. I had fucking nightmares for like 20 years after this. <laughs> I still, I still, I love that movie. To this day, I think it's one of the most brilliant pieces of sci-fi commentary ever made. Maybe the best ever. Mm. It holds up so well. It like, almost no movie from that decade holds up as well as Robocop in terms of so good. mirror to what, who we are and what we really think. But every time I watch it, I skip that scene. Really? I can understand that because it is, you know, what it is you think about it, especially now, right? We're all smarter. We all see this movie with different eyes and brains than we did in, in the, in the late eighties. Right. But there are fun parts of that movie where the violence and the gore and everything are over the top. Like the edge 209, Mr. Kinney scene. We, I don't think that affects us. Even though it's just as physically violently brutal as Alex Murphy's execution, but there's a meanness and an unflinchingness in both the filmmaking, the storytelling, where Alex is getting Alex Murphy's getting killed. That like you're right, that hits you in the gut. That's hard. You know, it's there's nothing funny about that. We're not doing that for laughs. It's funny how you say it because when the Ed two hundred nine is it the two hundred nine? Yeah, Ed two hundred nine. Yeah. So when he when he shoots the, the the dude in the um in the boardroom, it's he's trying to avoid it, and it's almost like Verhoeven being like, "Nope, nope, mm -hmm. you can't look away. I'm gonna give it to you straight." And he like it's almost the visual like little representation of that, right? Because he's mm -hmm. just like throwing people mm -hmm. in front. He's like, "I don't want to. I don't know." He's like, "No, you're gonna die horribly right now, and you have no choice." And like you as the viewer are gonna watch it. Watch I'm gonna it. make you watch this shit and sit in it. And, it's uh, so yeah. the first time I ever saw the scene of Alex Murphy, well before I saw the movie, I'm a kid. I'm glued to the TV to find out if I have a snow day or not. 
<laughs> and the news goes, some say it's only a movie, but can a movie go too far? This movie, Robocop, and they literally show the scene on the morning news of Alex Murphy getting <laughs> shot. Ah, yeah. getting shot. Like one hand. Yeah. Just, they yeah. show it. And I was like, like a puppet. He looks like a Pinocchio, like getting shot up. Mm-hmm. And and I watched this thing and I'm torn to pieces. My mom's like, oh, my God, turned it off. And they like wrote. I think they like wrote to the news channel to be like, you went way too far. And it wasn't until years later that I'm watching RoboCop and that scene comes on. I'm having these like flashbacks. I'm like, I hope it doesn't snow. I hope it doesn't snow. <laughs> I think that's the legacy of the news. It's like the news has been much more traumatic for children than movies ever were. Ever were. Yeah. No, it ruined me. <laughs> I oh. saw I'd seen clips of it somewhere. I'd seen pieces maybe on like HBO or whatever. So I knew it existed, but I didn't I had never seen it all the way through. And I was babysitting my cousin, Brian. And when the parents came home, Brian was a baby. He was already in bed and they were like, you know, we're going to go to bed. But, you know, there's a movie cabinet over there. You can watch whatever you want. And they were like, what movies do you like? Maybe I have it. And I was like, do you have Robocop? And they were like, bloop, put it in and went to bed. <laughs> and like my, my family and parents let me watch anything pretty much anytime so that wasn't as big a deal as it seems but i just sat there and like i knew the tip literally the tip of the iceberg and i remember sitting in their basement and watching that shit and being like because ah! i was i was not negatively affected i was like this is fucking great no i loved it. don't get me wrong i loved it but i was like severely traumatized by what so I it's a little too much i get it yeah but also like all those movies because as a vfx guy you get it like you know those movies, there's not a lot of, you know, after effects or, or, or post effects, you know, be, that's all very yep. in camera, visceral, like on the day, like shit. And like in my in my death scene, too, like so much of that was like very much like blood everywhere. And like, Damn. you know, there's something about that that really, you know, hey, there's something to be said for like, you know, there's a place for VFX and then there's a place for like also practical effects. It works, you know, depending on what you're doing. And uh, as an actor, Michael, let me ask you, because Rumi has done visual effects for a while. We both did practical effects for a long time. So we've between the two of us, we have a body count. We've killed. I've worked on so many horror movies and I did all practical. I never did visual stuff. So I've done squibs. I've done blood tubing. I've done decapitate, name it, and I've done it. And yeah. I've had so many different actors respond to that in different ways. Most of them seem excited. As an actor, whether you're in Punisher or whatever, if you're going to get killed in a movie... Is it a a deeper thing for you where you have to like face your own mortality or are you like, no, this is fun and this is make pretend and I'm excited to do this? Um, I would say 100 percent the, la- the latter. Yeah. But I mean, it's an inte- you know, it's a weird thing to have to like act your own death like that. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can do. You can't, you know, no, no actor can be like, oh, well, I know how to play death. Like you just don't you don't know. Right. How to play it. You know, you. So I think you're influenced by the movies that came before you. Maybe you watched a family member. I mean, God, I don't want to get into like too many. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, gruesome shit. But like, you know, you you have to pull out as many things as you can. I mean, I would just say that, like, yeah, it's it's super fun. Like, I'm I've never done like a straight up horror movie. Um, I've killed people in movies. I've been killed been killed in things. Um, I mean, I was. We were talking about the Nick earlier. You know, I was a. A surgeon in the neck and so like yeah we did like weird surgery where i had to like pretend to sew people up and do crazy shit and like that was disgusting um but uh there's nothing like great practical effects i love um it's funny there in the beginning of my death scene in punisher billy russo i corner billy russo and i've got him at gunpoint and i take his mask off and i'm like oh shit it's billy and billy's jigsaw whatever at that point he's not called jigsaw but 
Um, he stabbed me a bunch of times and all of that was just, you know, mind because they're like, we're going to yeah. show the knife in post and like figure out how to do that. So Ben was just like, woo, 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 like sort of doing the moves. And I so badly wanted him to just be like, oh, just stab me. Come on, let's just stab me. Like I wanted, yeah. to, be I wanted to be stabbed because I like, wanted to like, you know, act it the right way. But like once I'm on the ground and there's blood being poured around me and we had, you know, I had like a uh, scuba suit underneath and they had pipes and tubes and everything and um, uh, blood coming out of my mouth. They just kept spraying me with blood. Blood was, I could feel the blood like oozing out of my, you know, inner clothes. Like, <laughs> all, I don't know what that actually feels like, but that is super helpful to get into the moment of feeling like your life is slipping away. Like you don't, you're not going to be here very long. I don't remember the question. Fuck, are we talking about? No, you're you're doing a good job. You're jabbering really good. No, yeah, the, the, I think yeah, <laughs> I think it's for an for an actor. You want to have you respect the process, and don't get me wrong, I, I love sci-fi and all the shit. So visual effects are like my jam. I fucking love to see that shit. Um, but when you're an actor, and you know you have to do stuff either with a green screen or where you're trying to do things where you have to like have an emotional moment, but you have to add that extra layer of imagination because they're doing all the stuff in post yeah it's definitely harder for sure yeah yeah but it's nice when you can meld the two yeah, yeah. and pretend you don't have a head yeah just pretend your head's not there right yeah yeah it's it, i i mean because you got killed a couple times right Rumi? oh yeah i've been you killed got killed times. in cicada for sure <laughs> killed in cicada um yeah i was a sandwich board guy a giant cicada came up and just uh, like they were like a cicada is going to come down grab you and kill you and i was like okay so i had to scream the line act my neck there's a movie then, called wait there's a movie called cicada about like giant cicadas that kill people and eat them did you ever see the movie birdemic you guys are in a whole different lane <laughs> so what is birdemic like, so i take that as a compliment Bird, birdemic sure, is, is, is 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 like the movie birds but it's racing to the bottom it's trying to be the most low budget movie possible got it uh cicada is one step up where it's 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 having a little bit more fun but Hey, we got twenty grand. What movie can we make? And I was like, and and our buddy made it, and and we were like, we'll be in it. Yes. yes, and and but I had to fall onto a stunt pad repeatedly, and they're like, okay, let's try it with a little bit more oomph in this way, and try it with a little. And so I'm like, act my neck, and I'm just throwing myself down, and just like after about like ten takes, I was like, man, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of whiplash, and I'm like, okay, let's let's do keep. keep but that, that was fun. Um, and then you know, for for The Walking Dead, we get to do so many kills, and a lot of actors are super excited, but the ones who are like. Oh, I don't have a job tomorrow. Are the ones who are like they want to they want to be on screen as long as they can for that last minute, and then they come up to me afterwards and like, please make it, like promise me you're going to make it look good. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, I'm going to do my job right and make it look awesome. But like, you can yeah. tell that there's there's a there's a permanence to it, and some people you realize it's like what you are doing that they don't have control over because they're in a green suit right now is the last time they will ever be seen on TV. And and like that, that was a heavy weight on me. And we 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 had to make like the heads on spikes when all everybody, all the famous people, everybody's head is on a spike, and they killed off like fifteen people in one episode. Like we had to make sure those people looked good, and that was that was heavy. That was real heavy. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Man. What other what other moments do you guys have? What other deaths from movies or comics? Like, what's another memorable one? Everything, pretty much everything we've thrown out here has been on my list so far. There's a couple I'm I'm excited to throw down. Oh my gosh, uh, I don't, I'd like to hear what are your. Did you give us one yet? I don't think you gave us one. Yeah, Matt. Okay, give I'll, I'll give you. I'll give. Well, Obi Wan was kind of mine, and yeah, I guess I didn't give any because you guys keep doing. All right, I got two. <laughs> I got two interesting ones. One right, of them, 
One of them is a comic book one. And uh, it's funny because I thought when we were prepping for this, I was going to give all like Final Destination, great slasher, gory, bloody. Pretty much none of mine are that. It's the deaths that had an impact on me. Um, but I remember when I was working on I Am Legend, right? It was like uh, early 2000s. I was getting into comics for the first time as an adult. And I was reading Watchmen. And Watchmen registered with me hard. Even though I didn't have a great, great comic reading background at the time, I knew enough to make Watchmen relevant. And you get to the end and Ozymandias does his whole fucking plan. And Rorschach is like, no, I can't go along with this. And Dr. Manhattan is like, I can't let you stop this. And Rorschach is like, okay, kill me. And fucking Manhattan just explodes Rorschach. I looked for this episode. I went back and looked to make sure that that is as I remember it. And it's fucking brutal. And a lot of us love Rorschach because of his black and white, you know, nature. I like that character, but he's definitely not my favorite Watchmen character. But that scene is so impactful because I really understand both men, arguably men, both characters' point of view there. Manhattan just fucking explodes him. And Manhattan is a god, right? He's omnipotent. He could have done any other thing. He could have even killed him any other way, but he chose to literally explode him. And that was like a slap in the face when I read that. I remember I was literally sitting on the floor of a Borders bookstore reading that. And it was like a slap in the face. We should talk about the death of Borders. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> you just brought up a way sadder death. Um, I remember that death too. And they did it, you know, as whatever you want to say about the Zack Snyder movie, they, mm. they did that scene really, really well, I thought. Agreed. Because um, uh, Jackie, what's Jackie's last name? Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, he made that movie for me. Agreed. He was yeah. so fucking good in that movie. Like the yeah. perfect Rorschach. He got it. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's amazing when like you read you read a book, and it's amazing to think that like you could read a book and not see it and feel a death that strongly. You know, people have those those reactions, not just comics, but you know, when they're reading a novel and they get so engrossed and they feel they've been on this journey with someone and then they die. Like you know, it it touches your own mortality. I think for Watchmen, you know, someone like Rorschach, he's narrating so much of that story, and it's mm-hmm. his story, and it's his. Again, it's like he's taking you on that journey. And when the person taking you on that journey vanishes or dies or is out of the picture, it kind of fe- makes you feel untethered to sure. your yeah, own yeah. existence. And I think that's that's happened to me a lot in, in things that I've read, you know, just in, in comics too. But like, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Death, death, fake death can often be more lasting than real death. For sure, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that wild? It's totally wild. It's very true. I mean... When you talk about like Walking Dead, the comic books, multiple page turns were like sledgehammers to my chest. When Lori gets cut in half holding a baby with a sniper rifle, I was just like, oh, uh, I just couldn't. Yeah, that comic's almost, it's, it's harder to read that comic than to watch Walking Dead, actually. And Agreed. So, yeah, for yeah, sure. That comic is just, they don't give a fuck. It, it, I mean, just constantly. And even when nobody died in the comic book, which is like, and we're done. I didn't yeah. see that coming. It was like you just ended. You just ended it. It's, wait, what? And you're like going forward, and you're going back. Like, I mean, comic books have that power. Video games now have that power. I mean, I never cried when Mario fell down the pit, but playing a game <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but playing like uh, Last of Us Part Two had one of the most like heart wrenching death scenes I've ever witnessed in my life. I mean, Aunt May dying in the Spider Man video game, I cried. Spoiler yeah. alert. 
Spoiler alert. Kent, you're only 11% through that. Oh, <laughs> but like, um, the fact that like now you have all these mediums where like you can be emotionally impacted by characters and their you know demises it's, it's, it's amazing it's funny you know I, I i i mentioned earlier that i was reading harry potter to my kids and yeah. my family and like oh, uh, and when i do the, yeah. when i read the books i do like a full-on performance like i'm i do all the voices and i have to carry and i'm at the point where in book five where i'll do a, a voice maybe like a little bit differently of a character that I've been reading for four books. And one of them will be like, dad, that's not her voice. <laughs> like, critic, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're lucky I'm doing this at all. Yeah. Dad, you're going to read it like blah, blah, blah. You Jim Dale, uh, that shit, man. Good for you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Good for you. Fucking, uh, I, fuck, yeah. that, fuck that guy. I could have done that so much better. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. I, when I do Harry Potter, it's like, you feel like a hundred characters are around you. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I am going to toot. Yeah, I'd rather it. you actually do a little snippet of the book instead of horn tooting. Let's see it. I want to see the. I want to well, see this performance. I, I, let me make my point first, and then maybe <laughs> I will pull that out, out of my ass. Uh, we, at the end. Yeah, maybe we do uh, that. Maybe, at the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the book in front of me, but I could just give you a couple of voices. By the way, they're all relatively influenced by the actors from the movies, just because. Sure. We, what I did with my kids was I was like, okay, we're gonna do read. We, you, you can't see the movies. We're gonna read the book. And then when we finish the book, you can see that movie. I did that with my kid in Dune. Yeah, they're totally. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, what did you say? I missed. I said, I said, I did that with my kid in Dune. (laughs) Oh, in Dune. (laughs) My two year old's like, Arrakis? And I'm like, yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, shut up. Betty, can you answer it? No, but it's it's funny because, like, I'm I'm reading, you know, I obviously know what happens, you know, at the end of Harry Potter and all the books and who dies and who lives. And, uh, we're coming up to like no, so like the last in Goblet of Fire, um, you know, it's um, Robert Pattinson dies. Jesus, yeah. help character. What's his name? Um, Twilight, uh, T- Johnny Twilight, Vampire Jones. <laughs> no, <laughs> the Harry Potter character. Yeah, I know he's got a yellow shirt on. I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but I know his shirt. Uh, like, again, this is way too much weed. Sorry. Um, uh, you know, he dies at the end. Uh, Cedric, 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 Cedric Diggory, Cedric Diggory. So. He dies. Um, it didn't have like a huge impact on my kids because it was like it, there was not a long enough sort of like lead up to his death in terms of like you, they hadn't like really gotten into his character. He, he was sort mm. of a peripheral character in certain ways. And but it was like the first time someone died who was like a major character. Yeah. And it kind of made them it kind of gave them pause. But then I started thinking about, oh, interesting. What am I going to you know? How are we going to deal with it when Sirius dies in book five? Yeah. By the way, spoiler alert. Everyone, if you haven't, you know, <laughs> uh, I was going to say uh, the serious black one is rough, and then yeah, it's really brutal. And <sighs> I, I, I remember it, and I'm coming up to it, and not only am I about to experience it again as a reader, and then I'm going to watch the movie, but I'm going to act it out for them because I've been acting out all of these characters and doing the voices and all that stuff. So I got to like, I'm doing some major prep work for the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, <sighs> not as uh, for um Order of the Phoenix. Because I'm like. I've got a big death scene coming up. I got to perform. You got it. Dude, yeah. the worse than his death scene, you have to do the Horcrux when he has to continue feeding Dumbledore poison. That is, yeah. that is to me, one of the most devastating moments in, in, in ever I've read a book in literary history, him having to force feed Dumbledore poison as he begs him not to is worse to me than his death. Good luck with that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, you know, I, I'm taking it as it comes. I like to try to just be in the moment with it and not 
Again, it's, it's a, my, my kids are big critics. Uh, <laughs> luckily, their criticism doesn't go further than the fucking bedroom or living room. Uh, but I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I'm just curious, like, how they're going to react to, yeah, Dumbledore's death. And um, I guess Dobby, Dobby's death is a big one. Ooh, that one's rough, too. There's a lot of sad ones coming up. So <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. They're, you know, the kids today are so visual. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't think they are as affected. I don't think ultimately they're as affected when they just hear it. I think I think death to them is they see so much of it in so many movies and television shows that they're way more numb to it than we are. You know, there were so few the amount of movies and TV that we had as kids are are you know minuscule compared to what they are exposed to, especially not having the internet. So it's yeah. like every time I feel like every time someone died in something or you saw that or you read it, it just had a much bigger impact. Um, I'm just sort of thinking about it now, and I'm like, maybe they won't be that affected. Maybe they'll be able to sort of like move on with their day because they no, see it all the time. You imagine it though. When you hear it though, yeah. you think about it in your head. When you read it, you are you are gonna have the most and the the best version of that imagination ever. And hearing it from you coming like coming from you with that level of yeah. of of commitment, they're gonna see it in their head and have that bolstered with your your interpretation of it. As opposed yeah. to when you just watch it, you're like, that's what it is. And you, you, your mind works around it. But when you read something, you hear something, you can't escape that. Well, that's fake. That's a puppet. Um, th- this is pretend. That's real in your mind. And when you hear it, that's real. I hope in their you're head. right. No, I do hope you're right. But that you're, you're also speaking of someone who used their imagination for so long because you had to. And these yeah. days, kids don't have to use them that much because they can just be exposed to all this shit. Exactly. So- but, you know, listening to you guys go back and forth about that, I'm pulling back a little bit. And I'm thinking about death in media, you know, in entertainment. I, I don't know what my first exposure was to death, period. I'm going to guess it was a goldfish. But I would make an argument that all of this death that we see in movies and TV and everything as children, specifically as children, is super fucking important with helping us understand it in life because death is obviously a big part of life, right? I'll and leave. I feel like... Like I'd seen so many like I know for a fact that I cried my ass off when Littlefoot's mother died years before my own grandfather died. And I'm not going to make a direct comparison or a direct connection. But like my parents and I talked about Littlefoot's mom dying. My parents and I talked about Atreyu losing uh, a track. Like I feel like there's so much of that that as a kid you know, just with my three-year-old, we watch something and he asks, why is that like that? Why is that like that? And then you get introduced with this giant fucking concept of none of this is permanent. Even the best ride is going to end. And I feel like movies in many different ways show that to us. Let us as adults, as kids, as actors, as special effects guys kind of I guess grapple uh, with that. Process. Yeah, exactly. Like literally over the course of 40 something years now, we've slowly been processing. I've been processing that, you know, and I think that's really interesting. And I, I well, we've danced around it, but like, no, I think that's great, great art, whether it's literature, whether it's movies, whether it's TV, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think ultimately that's the best. That's all we have in order to grapple with mortality. You know, and I think at the end of the day, almost any story is about our own mortality because the only thing that's completely unknowable is what happens when you die. And that 
fear of of the unknown is like the greatest fear of of a human being, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Because because our as human beings, as I don't know, Homo sapiens, whatever you want to say, like we are, you know, we are sort of like tuned into trying to figure everything out. That's been the evolution of our species. It's like we have to like, and I'm reading this really cool book called um, Oh, what is it? Never mind. It's so cool. I forgot the title of it. <laughs> the guy Make it wrote, up. We won't know. It's by the guy who wrote Sapiens, which is a really interesting book about sort of the evolution of, of the Homo sapien and like where it came from and how it's evolved and where it's going. And he basically wrote a, a more kid friendly version of it about like basically how human beings became human beings and why we are the dominant species of the world and why we are also headed for extinction. But it's like it's our thirst to figure out the unknown, to know the unknown. And to figure out, okay, I need food. I, I'm going to make a tool or I'm going to make fire. Or I'm going to make a car. Or I'm going to make it this. But it's all to like make us know something so we can feel like we can hold on to something because our greatest fear is our own, is our own mortality, even yeah. if it's not something, you know, at least subconsciously. And so I just think it's thank God for these movies. Thank God for these deaths. Thank God for m- my childhood and seeing them because I think. They, like you said, they help you, they help shape your understanding, but they help you grapple with the unknown, the, 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 the unknowingness of it all, because well, it's, it, it's, it gives you a template because how often in life do you respond? And you're like, I don't know how to respond with it, to this, to this situation, to this death, to whatever's happening. And all you have to draw from is what you've patterned off of for good or bad. And sometimes, you know, people respond like they saw in a movie and that's like, Dude, that's how people act in movies. That's not real life. And then sometimes it's like, that's all you have to draw on is how do I process grief? And the only time, the only way you have to pattern that off of, if you haven't experienced it from in real life is from what you've seen in movies, good or bad. Take that. I've got down. two, two death responses that I need to do is one is the Willem Dafoe uh, platoon running, running, running. Oh yeah. Collab- I, yeah. Oh, I need yeah. to do that at some point. Um, and I, do I that. also want to respond yeah, to a death time. with like John Wick revenge. Like that's <laughs> I, I just once. It doesn't have to be for Wait, four you're movies. In your own for your own deaths in real life. Those are the two ways you'd like to go out. Those are your top two ways to go out. No, like that's response question, to what's, someone's if death. You could choose, if you could choose your own death, what would it be? What would you? How would you like to go out? Oh mm. damn! Uh, I, I have it. Uh, Slim Pickens, uh, Doctor Strange, love riding out on a bomb, take off a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like the most fun for sure. That's how you want to go out. Okay. I hate it doesn't heights. Have to be and- a reference to a movie. You could just be like pills. <laughs> again i've only i've only consumed movies and television so that's my only way to know what i'm doing i want to die into an empty pool that's what i want just, no. just dude i want to die this rooms i want to die the same day as you i want to be on the ground at the exact spot that your bomb hits and i want to watch it the whole way down like i'm gonna have binoculars and i'm gonna watch you riding it <laughs> so fucking cool <laughs> glad i could be here to bond you guys uh, <laughs> It happens, man. Um, well, we've had a great time here. It's, it's usually we wrap it up about an hour and a half. Um, this has been fantastic, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I, I'm super excited for your podcast, um, Playing Dead. Uh, Michael, tell us about, plug the show, plug your socials. Let us know where people can find you. Let us know where they can listen to your new show. Drop, drop yeah. it all on us. Okay, sure. Um, well, um, Playing Dead drops its first episode on November 29th, and Woo! it's going to be available. Yeah, soon. 
It's going to be available on all platforms. So if you get your podcasts on Apple or Spotify or iHeart, whatever it is, you'll find it there. You just put in Playing Dead with Michael Nathanson and it'll, it'll pop up. Um, we've got this big launch. Um, the first episode drops November 29th and we have this big launch sort of event at New York Comic Con. Like I told you guys, we're going to do this cool Keith Dave. I'm, I'm following William Shatner. William Shatner on stage is opening for me. That's how I like to think of it. Wow. Yeah, you should think of it that. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He's Obviously. died a lot of cool times. Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> hey, man. Hey, by the way, uh, maybe you'll come on my podcast. Um, yeah, so that's going to happen. And then, um, yeah, I'm really excited for this first season. We've got uh, a ton of cool shit in store. We talked to folks from Stranger Things, from Suicide Squad, from Star Wars, Punisher. The list goes on and on and on. Aliens. Um, we we uh, explore really cool, really cool. I'm about to say really cool kid deaths. Um, we've done that's entire thing. We've done... We've done numerous episodes about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we explore a lot of iconic um, deaths of like, you know, kid characters in movies. And um, we talk about puppets dying. We talk about video game characters dying. We talk about we talk about it all. And by the end of it, I'm like, oh, I just want more and more and more. So I hope that people will be as excited and enjoy it as much as I. I think you, you'll hear me enjoying it as much as I hope the people listening to it will enjoy it because it's. It's truly, and we get to also talk to some really cool directors, creators who um, were in charge of some of the stuff and and uh, made some of those decisions. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. And it, it, like I said, it's it's a culmination of a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears. And and it's for the fans. And it's something that I would want to listen to. And I hope people can can feel that it's it's something that I. It's like a, a campfire. I want everyone to kind of come and roast marshmallows with me and sit and like hang out, just the way three of us did this. Like this is kind of how my inter- my interviews go. Um, you know, it's, it's just a fun ride. And, and you also get to hear a lot of like really kind of deep thoughts and, and interesting, uh, tidbits about people's lives and how they approach the roles and kind of their backgrounds as, as human beings and their journeys and, and how it led to those roles. And, and there's, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll, uh, you know, you'll, it's, it's a range of emotions. It, it I think it started off in my mind as something fun and it got, it got way deeper than that in almost every single interview and it was really fun to do that kind of so there's sort of like a mix of therapy it's almost like you're on the couch with them in their therapist's office which is kind of cool too it's it's a it's a unique perspective and i think they were in they they were a lot of the questions got reflected back to me because i think you know it's unique for an actor who's had that experience to then kind of go back and talk to other people with that experience and there's a there's something that bonds us all in that experience and i think you'll see kind of a an interesting conversation uh that way but yeah and and then if you want to Come say hi to me and follow me and all that jazz. Uh, Instagram. Uh, I think if you just search my name, I think there might be an underscore between Michael and Nathanson, but whatever. And uh, M underscore Nathanson one, I think is my Twitter. Don't ask me. I, I tried for every goddamn combination and <laughs> for my name. Um, yeah, those are good places to find me. And often if uh, uh, people will make a comment, I'll comment back or if someone can DM me, uh, might get a DM back. Uh, I know how much those mean to me when, I do that to the folks that I love. So I try to do as much as possible, as much as my day allows. And um, yeah, hopefully maybe making some more Comic-Con appearances with the podcast. That would be a blast. I'd love to do that. It's definitely um, something I'm, I'm going to try and plan to do. Um, yeah, that's uh, from that's awesome, man. currently shooting the CBS show FBI. So that's a big turn. And um, I think I almost die in this episode I'm shooting, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, but yeah, more, more cool stuff to come. That's so cool, man. Uh, this has been a really pleasure, uh, really a pleasure for us. It's been awesome to talk to you. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of the Nick. That's one of my all time favorite shows. Like it, it's so 
Uh, he was geeking I, out about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, so we underrated. A whole episode about that yeah. show. That was a that so was so underrated. Incredible. Working with Soderbergh is um, a dream come true for an actor. He is the most generous, warm, giving director to actors I've ever ever worked with. Oh, that's and, awesome. And the guys that you know, in my mind, the greatest living director. And so to get to work with, because he had cast me in a movie called Side Effects. That's what how we met, and we had such a good time working on that. He was like. I'm doing this series and I think there's a role that's coming up and I want you to play it. And I didn't even have to audition for it. I, he just cast me in it. And that was because we had such a good time working together and he trusted me and um, such a cool show to work on because it had that Barry Lyndon feel where it's like very practical, everything. It's, it was lit very practically. He really wanted it to have that authentic feeling to it, not just for the viewer, but for the actors. Um, and we had to learn to, um, early 20th century surgery late night surgery techniques like we you know we were mining most of it but i was sewing and doing things and like we had to go through a whole training process which was fascinating and just a cool it was it was just close to working with someone like kubrick on like one of his iconic movies that i think anyone could ever have post kubrick by the way that's someone i'd love to fucking have on my podcast is talk to stanley kubrick my my favorite director of all time um, yeah man dig him up besides robert um dig him up what do you say? I said, dig him up. I, I no, Kubrick oh, dig is, him up. Yes. Dig him up. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge Kubrick fan. So, and, and the yeah. fact I, I've often compared the Nick to, I call it Kubrickian. You know, it's, it's oh, it it's, is, dude. Yeah. Working on it, it felt, it felt like it. Just like the way you things were being set up, the sets, the the lighting, everything. You felt you like you were in a singular vision. Yeah, and and then of course, then he has Cliff Martinez do the music, and that's like that. Anachronistic. Yes. Oh, oh. Man. Now, the yeah. best is when I'm at Comic Con signing autographs and people come up to me with like a CD of the Nick soundtrack and they want me to sign that. I'm like, that's awesome. Badass. That's cool. that's that's awesome. their they live lunchbox, right? Like if that's what they brought to the con to have you signed, you're yeah. like, all right, bro, we we could grab a drink. You're cool. Yeah. Dude, if Roddy Piper was alive and I went to him <sighs> with the they live lunchbox, I wish, you know, I would hope he would have that same kind of uh um experience with it um you know so but it, cool. it's, yeah it's cool man it, it, it was one of those shows i think that's going to last the test of time and it's going to be around long after a lot of shows uh are forgotten i think it's i personally just as a just as a viewer it's one of the greatest pieces of television ever so i i hundred I, I always say it and i think it's under underrated by people who just you know it, it wasn't on when they were you know consuming stuff and i always tell people go find it go find it and if they do they're like whoa and you're like yeah yeah right. it's found it's it's been finding a bigger audience it had was streaming moderated all that stuff to hbo max um it's all there yeah exactly yeah you can find it but yeah check Good. out hbo max and then of course the punisher now on disney plus yep. i don't make any money didn't make any residuals on netflix and certainly don't make any residuals on disney plus <laughs> watch it because it's an awesome show and you'll see me there but uh exactly yeah. man what we do a little sign off. We do a secret handshake and now you're part of the launch pad. So will you do the secret handshake with you? We'll teach it to you and, and then we'll, we'll do it. So Matt and I do this thing where we bring our hands. It's a high five where we come in sideways and we slap hands. We turn it into a rocket ship and then we blast it off with a raspberry. You blast it off. So you make a sound when you come in and then when you invert it, you blast it off with a raspberry. Yep. Will you do it with us? Let's do this. All right. We're going to blast this thing off. Three, two, one. <laughs> one of the that's one of the best yeah, I mean, he was like, pretty yeah, good he, for a newbie he, he was it. pretty good you know uh thank you so much thank you so much michael nathanson it has been a 
Real guys. pleasure. And uh, by yeah. the way, yeah, think of me for your next horror movies. I would love to. I like I said, I've never done a straight up horror movie. You guys ever make something? Kill me in something. I'd love it. I, Even I, if it's a cameo, I don't care. I'd kill you. I'd kill you. That's Let's yeah. do this. I, I I knew that the first ten minutes of this conversation, I was like, <laughs> I'd, I'd kill that guy. <laughs> Dude, I would. I, we got to find a thing to do. I, I would love to have you on again. You want to come back and get nerdy with us sometime? Anytime. I, I, I li- look. There's a reason I have my own podcast doing this. I love this shit. I love talking that's, this. That's shit. why we do this shit. Yeah, right? man, it's it's a blast. And um, yeah, I uh, something else I'd love to talk to you guys about, but we'll save it for the next time. I, I in my spare time, I'm doing. I should say not my spare time. It's it's sort of taken over my acting life, but I'm doing a lot of writing, a lot of producing, a lot of developing of stuff. And I have a really cool TV show that I wrote a pilot for that I'm pitching around. That's kind of gruesome it's sort of a girls meets walking dead kind of weird funny thing um maybe i'll maybe uh shoot me your email and i'll, I'll send it to you it's a it's a it's a cool read i'd love to get you guys your thoughts on how how we could do it uh practically and cheaply but um yeah man oh that'd be fun rooms we haven't killed anyone together in a while i know yeah, right? yeah that was how we got our start as roommates in our while no we got to start in roommates when you tried to friggin sleep in the same bed with me in new york city well, well guys, gonna... <laughs> why don't you work that out on your own time? <laughs> guys, John Carpenter was involved tangentially. Well, <laughs> You're not making any better, roommate. Guys, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Watch our silly, goofy, fun faces on YouTube. Handsome as fuck, though. And uh, yeah, until next time, we're the Rocketeers and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.